Good afternoon, and welcome to Power for the People here on Solar Powered Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and everywhere in our solar system at WERU.org. I'm your host, Steve Call. The goal of Power for the People is to help everyone understand the energy policies, technology, solutions that are relevant to your life, uh, with the goal to help you reduce your energy costs and hopefully reduce your impact on the environment and on the climate. My guest today is Al Cleveland, campaign manager for Pine Tree Power. The website is ourpowermain.org, or as you just informed me, Al, pinetreepower.org. Is that correct? That's uh, right. So it's the proposed nonprofit consumer-owned utility that would replace the for-profit foreign-owned CMP and Versant if it passes a referendum in November. Uh, in my view, the referendum, the, the uh, November vote will be one of the more consequential in Maine history uh, and for Maine residents, homeowners, and business people alike. And so we people need to understand the ramifications before we vote. I expect to have uh, Al Cleveland or another representative of the proposed Pine Tree Power on the program again, uh, probably in October before the November vote. And I have indeed reached out to CMP and Versa to someone for someone to come on the air with me and uh, no response yet. In the interest of full disclosure, while working for a major uh, uh, energy uh, consulting firm in Maine in the 2010s, I wrote a plan and got grants for making Maine energy independent with locally owned and locally local renewable generated electricity. Uh, we are already at 80% renewable. Thank you very much. But uh, that seems to be a well-kept secret. Uh, so this referendum does, in fact, catch my attention, and I just think it's the right thing to do for the audience to uh, to understand the issues, and again to try to get it from from both both sides before November. Uh, so I'm I'm both an energy person and a native Mainer who believes in local control uh, for our resources and for our economy. And so, uh, with all that said, the question is: Does a consumer-owned utility make sense logistically and financially uh, for the people of Maine? So I'll formally introduce uh, Al Cleveland here in just a moment, but as is my habit here, some headlines about energy issues that caught my attention recently. Uh, and yes, Al, I'll lead in with one that will, will uh, prompt you. Um, so some things you should know about from the Associated Press. Uh, this is actually uh, the quote from their headline. At the one-year anniversary, Biden's climate law, the Inflation Reduction Act, is already turbocharging clean energy technology, creating factories, and generating new renewable power. What more do you need to say uh, beyond that headline? Uh, and I will just say that in the article, it said there's been more investment in factories in the past year, and that's factories of, of all types, uh, more investment in factories in the past year than in the previous decade combined. Uh, and I will just complain here that most of us haven't heard this good news because the Democrats have a hard time getting their message across about their accomplishments. You will recall that the previous president tried to eliminate the federal Energy Star program that incentivizes energy efficient appliances and heating equipment because, literally, he said, Energy Star hurts the profits of coal power plants. Um, well, this philosophy continues today with the recount reporting just this week that GOP Senator Blackburn from North Carolina and others uh, have said that people aren't interested in appliances that save energy and question why we are bothering to make them. And likewise, presidential candidate Nikki Haley said this week that using fossil fuels is patriotic. Yes, I kid you not. On the good news home front, Governor Mills says we've reached the state goal of 100,000 heat pumps installed. 
And she set a new goal of 125,000 additional heat pumps by, if I recall correctly, it was 2027. So uh, way to go. And that makes an awful lot of sense. I got to myself, took out my oil boiler in 2016, as I've said on this program before. Uh, and likewise, if as we've covered on this show many times, if you're using a windle rattling air conditioner uh, or, or need supplement, supplemental heat or a new need a new uh, heat system, go for a heat pump and get the energy efficiency and cooling in one quiet unit. It was interesting. I was chatting with several people uh, in a group uh, a couple of days ago, and I mentioned that I run my heat pump on dry mode. And in fact, most of the people there said, geez, we, we've got heat pumps. We just put our, our ACs into the window. And I go, what? You know, no. Uh, and so dry, run your heat pump on dry mode at 78 degrees. I'm perfectly comfortable at home. Uh, and you have greatly reduced operating costs. One more headline leading into uh, the guest today, an article from the Portland Press-Herald last week, I think it was last Sunday, uh, said uh, a version of that millions of dollars have spent and have been spent and millions more will be spent by the foreign-owned uh, owners of the utilities in question that we're talking about here. Uh, and so let me just uh, comment editorially that we, the main ratepayers, are funding the advertising blitz of foreign uh, for-profit companies. And with that lead-in, the guest today is Al Cleveland, the campaign manager for Pine Creek Power, the proposed consumer-owned nonprofit that would subsume CMP and Versant if we passed it uh, in November. And it would give Maine mostly consumer-owned utility coverage because 20% of Maine is already covered by nonprofit co-ops and consumer-owned utilities. Uh, how many, how many co-ops are there in the state of Maine right now? Thanks, Steve. There's already 10 consumer and utilities that serve over 97 municipalities in Maine. And those consumer and utility ratepayers see lower prices compared to CMP and Versant customers, better reliability and customer service because they have control and are in charge of the ownership and leadership of their utility rather than, as you so eloquently put it, having foreign investors controlling something we need for our basic necessities. Right. And so, I mean, the bottom line here is that uh, the concept of a consumer-owned utility is not foreign to Maine. We can go out and look at the realities of what's there, uh, and that will be important for people to get that information. But Al, tell us, uh, so you're the campaign manager. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself, how you came, what your experience is, and how you came to be in this position. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Uh, I came to this work as a young person. I started getting involved in political campaigns when I was 14 years old with a dedication to figuring out how do we strengthen our democracy and how do we make sure we can build an economy and a state that works for all of the people who live there and not just folks who have money and who have power and have privilege. And so I came to this campaign after years of working on democracy initiatives to strengthen our institutions and to help young people get involved in both our political system, but also to understand our economy and how we where we funnel money and where that goes. And so for me, I've been watching this campaign, paying attention, volunteering on the campaigns at the very beginning, um, because it is so key for me as a young person that we create a consumer and utility and we stop paying outrageous amounts of money to corporations that use our rates to both interfere in our political elections, but to also be some of the worst anti-climate lobbyists in the state. 
Last year, Central Maine Power and Versant took home $187 million in profit. And then at the same time, this spring, 10% of Mainers got disconnection notices. That is outrageous when we know that CMP continues to get approved for more and more rate hikes, and yet people in Maine are struggling to pay their bills. And so I really came into this work, you know, with a dedication to figuring out how do we build a system that works for us? And, and that is, you know, why our organization spent the better part of the last few years collecting 80,000 signatures to get on the ballot, passing a bill through both the House and Senate that unfortunately got vetoed by Governor Mills, but is dedicated to giving Maine voters the opportunity and the chance to vote out the investor and utilities that have been hurting our communities and to build something that works for us, a chance to build equity in our long-term future, to save money on our electric rates, and to build the grid, the reliability, the infrastructure we know we're going to need as we see extreme weather events just increasing all around us. All right. Well, we'll come back to uh, the position of Governor Mills before we get done with this, uh, I hope. But uh, let me just uh, follow up on your response right there uh, and, and ask what campaign manager means for our power. And, and, and the context there is, tell us about the organization, your staff, your funding status, your funders, if you have any major funders, because obviously we know who the main funders are of the opposition. So tell us a little bit more about the organization in general uh, and, uh, and your staff and approach. Yeah, thank you so much. We are running a true statewide grassroots campaign where, as you noted, our resources are a fraction of what our opposition is. This campaign was built by volunteers all the way from Kittery to Callis. Um, we've got folks in every county and every city across the state who are demanding that we have a new vision for our electric grid. And so I currently run a staff team of three people and a lot of young people who are volunteering their time and a lot of coalitions that are invested, coalition partners that are invested in us winning in November. From the very beginning, this campaign and this work to build public power has been about strengthening the community ties, relationship, and capacity that we have. So we've raised, all most of our money that we've raised comes from within the state. 90% of our donors are Mainers. Um, and compared to our opposition, we have are going to be outspent close to 100 to 1. This is a David and Goliath type election. Central Maine Power and Versant have already poured $27 million into this race, which is an outrageous amount of money and shows how terrified they are because they know we have the ability to win in November and we're going to win when Mainers vote yes on November 7th. And so, you know, for us, this campaign is driven by volunteers, by, um, you know, former current business owners, solar developers, young people, community leaders, people who have been disconnected from their power, people who are struggling to pay their electric bill, which is most of us. Our opposition is pouring millions of dollars into digital ads, expensive flyers, outrageous wastes of money to misinform and to lie to the public. Our campaign, the Pine Tree Power campaign, has volunteers that are knocking on doors every day of the week, that are making phone calls 
to their neighbors, their community. We're holding presentations in churches and in community groups. We don't have the type of money to be um, pouring so many ads in front of people's faces. We also know that's not what meaners respond to. We respond to the relationships and the connections and the people that keep us safe and well. And we know that that has not historically been our utility companies. And we know that Versant has been responsible for delaying and pushing away solar connect projects all across the region. We know that they have been responsible for stopping and lobbying against fair democratic laws in the legislature. These corporations have continued to put Mainers at the bottom of their priorities. The top for them is profit. Um, and so we're really building a campaign that is fighting against that type of corporate greed and showcasing that we really can change something so transformative on the ballot with a huge coalition of volunteer leaders. Well, it's interesting that you talk about lobbying because that obviously is a big deal. Lobbyists are, are backed by money and profits. Uh, and and I wonder if if the PUC is subject to lobbying. And let me give you the context behind that question. Uh, I was frankly shocked when the Versant and CMP are spending tens of millions of dollars on against the consumer-owned utility. And yet, despite the fact that they can spend that kind of money, they were given a rate increase by the PUC. Was that lobbying influence that did that? I mean, how can the PUC justify that? You know, I don't think I am probably the best person to talk about the changes that need to happen within the PUC, even though I, you know, I hear folks a lot. What I've seen so often is that because we have given our utility companies um, a monopoly and a control of our electric grid, where they can then spend so much of our rates to then influence the very regulators that are supposed to be keeping them accountable, we've created this unfair system to begin with in the sense of how can we ever have a state regulatory body that is able to truly hold a huge, powerful corporation in check at the, at the scope that they're in when they have an unbelievable amount of money, resources, and lawyers at their disposal. Versant Power, as many people know, is 100% owned by NMAX, which is owned by the city of Calgary. And Southern Maine, Central Maine Power is owned by Avangrid, whose parent company is Ebatrola, the third largest European energy conglomerate. These corporations are not small. They are not uh, out for the best interests of Maine. They have a responsibility to increase profit for their shareholders from the very beginning, which means that they are going to be using that influence to push the state regulators at every level and the state legislature. We saw in last legislative session, the utilities spent over $771,000 in political lobbying, mostly to lobby against climate bills and transit and bills that would be more supportive to our environment and to our people. They did this because it's not profitable to them. Um, the utilities have continued to put influence over the PUC in a way that I think a lot of Mainers have been really uncomfortable with. And for us, this is even more of a reason why we know that we cannot just make simple reforms and shifts to how these utilities operate. 
the model of being able to profit off of our electricity is what needs to stop in the beginning. And that's why we need to have a model that actually works for us, a power we can trust, because it's accountable and responsible by people who we elect. And that's what the Pine Tree Power Company would look like. If we vote yes on November 7th, Mainers would vote to elect the board of directors for the power company that would be owned collectively by us, meaning the folks who are making decisions about the investments, the business plans, the model of our utility would be people we knew in our communities who would be accountable to us. Right now, all we have is a utility system that are accountable to shareholders and that are attempts to be regulated in the state. We can do so much better than that. Right. So uh, it's interesting that you mentioned $27 million in lobbying is spent so far, which was alluded to in the power in the uh, Portland Press Herald headline, uh, and that they've uh, they had $187 million in profits last year, which would, uh, my math is correct, they have $160 million still that they uh, could be spending on advertising between now and November. Just a scary thought. So let's talk about misinformation here. Um, the advertising that, uh, that uh, off the top of my head, uh, that they've been putting out in in uh, flyers that at least a while back I was getting several a week in my mailbox and uh, seeing plenty on television. Uh, so the uh, uh, one of their lines is that it's going to cost $15 billion to buy, buy out CMP and Versant. Is that an accurate number? No, we don't believe that's an accurate number. That's a number that the opposition paid a consulting company a ridiculous amount of money to come up with. What we know is that with the creation of the Pine Tree Power Company, Mainers will see $9 billion in savings over 30 years. Not cost, but in savings. I you know, look to Representative Seth Barry, who talks a lot about how what we the benefits that we get with the creation of a consumer and utility is a lot like what we get when you go from renting an apartment to buying a house. What we're talking about is buying out equity. Right now, we are renting our electric grid at a really, really high price. As rate payers, as folks who pay their electric bill, we send money to our investor and utility each month. And a lot of that they get to keep for profit. And a lot of that goes to the high interest financing that they have to do for our infrastructure. Consumer owned utilities at their core are not sending any profit to shareholders. They're pouring that all into the investments we need. But there is something else that's really cool about consumer owned utilities is that because it's not a private corporation, a COU can qualify for low interest financing at rates that private corporations cannot access. And this is going to be key when Maine is in such a critical place of really needing to invest in our infrastructure and in our grid. So we can move to increasing the amount of heat pumps across the state that you talked about, that we can show our neighbors that investing in electric heat and electric transportation is a much better option than relying on fossil fuels. This is going to be really key for Maine to meet any of our climate goals. We know that we have relatively clean electric supply, as you said, but we also have 
really high rates of carbon emissions in our transportation. Tra transportation makes up 53% of carbon emissions in the state, and we heat with heating oil at some of the highest rates in the country, meaning we need a grid that is affordable and reliable to convince our neighbors to actually go to trust that heat pumps are the solution. CMP and Versant aren't going to get us there whatsoever. And they are terrified about this. And so they're telling folks about the billions of dollars that it's going to cost for us to buy it out. But what we know is that we will be saving money on day one because we will no longer be sending so much profits over to corporations. Independent economic analysis shows that Mainers will be saving $367 per year with the Pine Tree Power Company. And this is, you know, because of all of the reasons I just named to being able to access that low financing, not having a profit. And we know that over the time it'll take us to finally pay off the purchase of CNP Inversant to create the Pine Tree Power Company, we will be building that equity that is buying a house. And as, as Mainers know, you know, that is a much better financial future for who, for our children, our grandchildren, the people who are going to be coming up in this next generation to not have to being able to rent out our electric grid anymore. So we're saving money, we're building equity, and it's just the right financial move for Mainers. Well, I like your analogy for owning versus renting. That's a, that's a good one for people to uh, to keep in mind. So you're listening for power to power for the people here on WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor. And my guest today is Al Cleveland, the campaign manager for the proposed Pine Tree Power. Uh, and you can find out more at ourpower.main and pinetreepower.org. So, uh, um your your comment about interest rates for consumer-owned utility is a good one, and my understanding is that uh, unlike paying profits, $187 million was your number, to uh, companies uh, out of country, uh, that a consumer-owned utility as a nonprofit can get a lower interest rate, and because it's a utility and there's known income, that further reduces the uh, the interest rate. So so relative to the cost, and again, my question started with, is it $15 billion to buy out CMP and Versant? Uh, relative to the cost of borrowing money to make it happen, the interest rates would be very competitive. Um, so relative to the $15, $15 million, that, that uh, billion dollars that the companies are talking about, who, let's imagine that where it's November 8th, the bill has passed, who sets the price? Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. That's such a great question. And this is probably my most exciting, exciting part of this because I'm a democracy nerd. I, I care so much about how we increase the scope of community collective control and decision making we have in the state. So once we win on November 8th, there's going to be Mainers celebrating all across the state because of what we get to build together. And come January of 2024, candidates who want to run to be on the Pine Tree Power Board of Directors will get to declare uh, in a nonpartisan election and announce they'll be running. That following November, a year after we vote yes, will be when those board elections take place. The elected board will then be responsible for appointing seats as well that will be on the Board of Directors. Folks who have background in energy, in utilities, people with expertise that can join the elected board 
who will then collectively as a team work and adopt bylaws and figure out the process for them to hire staff, consultants, and then create the business plan for what the Pine Tree Power Company will look like. They will have access to financing that comes through being able to access revenue municipal bonds in the bill. And during this process, the Pine Tree Power Company will start by making an, an initial offer for a purchase price towards the utilities. Our opposition, this is where they like to scare people a lot, saying, well, this could take so long. This could be forever. This is all actually laid out very clearly in the legislation that will people be voting for. It'll take a three to four year process for the Pine Tree Power Board of Directors to work with the utilities to agree on a purchase price. If that purchase price cannot be decided, then the um, board of directors and the utilities will go to the courts to make a decision about what a fair and accurate purchase price for the utilities will look like. We have some examples of this because in 2020, Amira Maine sold to NMAX. They had to negotiate a purchase price then. Purchase prices for utilities usually come down to what assessors and regulators will call the net book value. And we saw within the purchase of Amira May, and it was a fair price that NMAX ended up paying for the utility. And so we have examples of what that will look like for us. Ultimately, if a decision cannot be made in good faith between the Pine Tree Power Company and the utilities, the courts will set the decision and we will move forward purchasing out the utilities and then the board will hire a private operations company through a competitive bid that will manage the day-to-day staff and management of the utility. And we will then have see the beauty and all of the fruits of our labor and work to create a consumer-owned utility. Well, you, you, as you said an important thing here that, uh, that the board will be elected rather than appointed. Uh, and the, the advertising from the uh, for-profit utilities talk about bureaucrats uh, running the the system, and I or the government running the system, and I that's pretty clear that that's uh, not correct. Uh, do we know at this point uh, what the electoral process for the board of directors will be? Is it going to be uh, ten people running on a statewide ballot that everybody can vote for? Will it be by county or region? Do do we know that level of detail? Yeah, absolutely. And so the way that the uh, bill sets it out is that there will be seven elected members who are chosen through state Senate districts. And so folks in various state Senate districts will vote for their elected member of the Pine Tree Power Company. As in you were mentioning the fear of politicians running your electric grid, the state legislature will not be have any decision making role over the Pine Tree Power Company. The governor will not have any decision-making role. They will continue to have all of their authority um, in terms of setting specific parts of energy policy, but the business piece of the Pine Tree Power Company will be set to its elected members and then the experts that they select. Okay, well, that, that makes, I mean, that's that certainly has been my understanding as well. So there's no direct government involvement here. Um, I had a follow-up question and I've forgotten what it was. Um, 
Yeah, so I'll have to have to skip on to my next question. So the advertising from the for-profit utilities have talked about that $15 billion raising state taxes. Would you comment on that? Because that's a scary one for everybody to hear. Yeah, absolutely. This has nothing to do with your taxes. There will never be taxes used to pay for anything in the Pine Tree Power Company. Pine Tree Power Company will be fueled by our rates that we already pay as as rate payers that currently go to Versant or CMP. Now those rates will go to the Pine Tree Power Company, but our taxes will never interfere or have anything to do with the creation of this utility. Okay, that's such an important point for people to understand. I mean, I do grumble when I see their advertising with that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they talk about the Pine Tree Power being run by elected bureaucrats, by unelected bureaucrats, and we've already uh, we've already addressed that one. Is there anything else in the advertising that I have missed that you feel is specifically misleading that you want to talk about? that I think we've seen so often is this fear mongering over the transition period being a time being much longer within the mandate, which is just absolute uh, misinformation and inaccurate. It's a fear tactic that the utilities know they put $10 million behind it. doesn't matter if it's true or not. It'll become true. But we're seeing a lot of fear around that transition time and then what the impacts to our grid will look like. And, you know, for me, I, I see this as, as so manipulative in the sense that we have one of the biggest anti-climate lobbyists in the state, both Versant and CMP. Versant having some of the worst solar interconnection rates in the country. And then they're coming back saying, well, you actually need us to get through the next few years, even though they have refused to partner with us in any transition to the renewable energy future that we need. This is pretty pretty classic. Our utilities have spent years lying to us about the changes that they're gonna make, and yet we're continuing to see high rates and a lack of reliability with them. It feels very challenging when they're following a lot of the campaign tactics that we've seen big tobacco use to protect their interests, that we've seen some of the worst corporations and profiteers use. Nothing that their campaign is doing is original. Uh, It is meant to scare Mainers from a future where we can be in charge of our electric grid. Um, And so we, I think voters need to be really, really intentional about thinking about how much money is going behind a message that they have not got seen validated by leaders in their community. Well, and I I do have some issues with central main power that I'll just mention here quickly in terms of their resistance to solar. Um, I mean, I know several examples of people that put solar on their house and haven't gotten uh, net metering for months. Um, uh, and that's a common story. In my case, uh, my totally electric home uh, has been funded, sorry, has been powered by community solar. Uh, well, so much so that I had too much of a credit. And so I asked the community solar company to stop net metering my account for a while so that I wasn't going to be uh, net metering something that I was that was going to expire and I wasn't going to be able to use. And so they, they shut me off. Uh, I called them up in November, sorry, in April and said, turn me back on. It's almost August and Central Main Power has not turned back on the net metering from community solar. Why? I have no idea. And one other example, 
Uh, I've, twice in the last year, I've gotten high uh, usage messages from Central Maine Power when I wasn't home. And that makes no sense. And I asked him to come out and check my meter. And the guy went around the corner. And in 30 seconds, he came back and said, your meter's fine. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's there's funky things going on, just based on my experience, I have to say. All right. So let's see. Um, so you've, you've addressed uh, the question that I had about how and when uh, pine tree power could be established. And there obviously is a timeline in there. Uh, and some legal and financial matters in terms of the price and the possibility of it going to the courts for that price. Do we know what court it would go to? Would it go to the main Supreme Court? Yeah, so it'll eventually start in the Superior Court, and it will go all the way up to the Supreme Court. The law court will make an ultimate decision on the purchase price if it cannot be negotiated. You know, but we really believe that both of both Nmax and Avangrid, the parent companies of our current utilities, have a huge incentive to agree to the transition, the purchase price as quickly as possible. Avangrid has business all across the country. They are trying to buy utilities in New Mexico. They are trying to strengthen their control over New York's utilities. So sorry about that noise that just came through. Uh, NMAX similarly has business interests all throughout Canada, and they have incentive to not pull a process for years to come. And even though it'll only be three to four years, we know that it would be in their best financial interest to move as quickly as possible once we vote yes. And so we really, you know, expect the transition to the Pine Tree Power Company to go smoothly because that is what will be most profitable to these utilities. Um, and in that, we will then get to see Maine really, you know, showcase the consumer and utilities that we already have working on the municipal level are going to be even more powerful on the state level. We've had examples all across the country showing that both states and municipalities that are governed by public power have some of the best reliability in the country. Nebraska is the only other state in the U.S. that is entirely served by consumer and utility, and they have the most reliable electricity in the nation. And we also know that Maine's most frequent power outages that we have is because we don't have local ownership. We don't have local control over the conditions that we're in. I've heard a lot of folks who worked for CMP before they were bought out by Avangrid tell me really different stories about the utility company. The, you know, we know when Avangrid bought out CMP, they cut most so much staff, so much of the workers who are local. And that's why when we have outages that go throughout the winter, most of the time the people who come to fix the transmission lines aren't, you know, aren't from here. They're they're from Canada. They get slowed down, driven down in order to meet us in those moments of terrible weather. We're seeing all across the country right now, and Vermont's a really great example that extreme weather events are just more and more common. Flooding is happening all over the place. We can expect and should expect that extreme weather is going to just continue to be coming and we need to be prepared for those moments, which means we need a workforce that is local and is ready to be able to handle the changes to our climate and to our grid. The Pine Tree Power Company will be able to invest in that workforce. 
last year, CMP sent more money in profits than they spent to pay the workforce combined, meaning we're not even remotely investing into the labor that is going to be necessary for our move to a full electrification and our move towards responding to the weather events that we're going to be seeing. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Nebraska being fully powered by the consumer-owned utility. Uh, Nebraska is a, a red state, if I can make that observation. Uh, and one of the legislators in Maine, who uh, shall go unnamed, uh, referred to the idea of pine tree power being uh, a socialist approach and uh, and went on to say that's just one step away from communism. And I kid you not, that's what that's what he said. Um, and so I think the the whole point of that that we made a few minutes ago that government control uh, is which is in the advertising is not uh, not the issue. And and people would should think about what a consumer owned utility looks like as being analogous to their water and sewer utility, uh, which clearly is not controlled by the government specifically. So Seth Barry, who has just joined us, I think he's in his car. Uh, we can only see his face right now, uh, but Seth, uh, I'm going to. Uh, uh, Seth has been on this program before, probably a year ago, talking about this issue. Uh, and Seth, I'm going to call you the 800-pound gorilla and the motivating force that started all of this. Uh, so if you are just there, you want to chime in and tell us uh, uh, whether correct what I just said uh, and tell us a little bit about what you are up to now relative to Pine Tree Power. Well, thank you, Steve. And it's great to be with you here Um Power to the people, indeed. Uh, that's what we are all about. And um, you know, I, I apologize for for coming in late. I've just been actually um, at a rally at the state house on uh, a related referendum, which is called Protect Maine Elections, and that, of course, is to close the loophole that allows foreign governments to spend unlimited uh, cash to effectively purchase our elections here, certainly to influence them. Um, so this is uh, directly related because uh, people power is about uh, consumer ownership of our our literal power, our energy uh, for the for the all important future of our planet. But it's also about how we make our decisions and um, you know who gets to influence um, those decisions and inform those decisions. Um, today, the legislature will be voting on that. If they fail to override the governor's veto, uh, then it will go to the people alongside the Our Power referendum. Our Power is something I've been um, working on myself for five years, but there's so many people who have been involved uh, during the course of this campaign. And um, I, I know it's coming in late to the decision. Um, I guess I want to, or to the conversation rather, um, I guess I want to just, you know, ask you uh, what would be helpful. I know that um, Al, the campaign manager, has been absolutely um, amazing in, um, you know, speaking to this issue and marshalling the volunteers who fanned out across the state and collected signatures and are now um, canvassing and making phone calls and volunteering to counter the massive influence of, of big money and make sure that we can control our energy destiny. Um, but, you know, I, I really want to turn it back to you, Steve, and, and, and maybe Al as well and say, what, you know, what, what can I help to inform here? Um, you know, for example, we, you, I did hear you talking about Nebraska. And uh, what I like to say about Nebraska is, yes, they have the, the cheapest and the, and the most some of the most reliable power in the country. Um, and uh, that is because of their consumer ownership. 
Um, yes, they have, uh, you know, a, a goal of getting to, to net zero by 2050, the only red state to do that. Um, but they also um, love their public power regardless of party and, and uh, the conservative Republicans in Nebraska. Um, many of them uh, would tell you if they were here with us today that they'd rather give up their guns than their uh, public power. So, you know, it's it's something that the heartland is very familiar with, the conservative heartland of America. 56% of the nation's acreage is actually served by nonprofit utilities. Uh, most of them rural co-ops started under, uh, with, beginning with FDR and the Rural Electrification Administration. So this is not a new idea. It's proven uh, works here in Maine, power at half the price, and uh, we're going to need that to power an all-electric decarbonized future. So um, that's what motivates me, gets me up in the morning and continued, makes me continue to work on this. Well, we've, uh, we're down to about 15 minutes, and uh, I want to pick up on some of what you just said for, for both of you to give me some reactions to uh, things that are, that are on the ballot, which may be a complication here. But before we do that, uh, actually, let me just chime in and say that you're listening to Power for the People here on WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor. Uh, and my guests are now Al Cleveland, the campaign manager for Pine Tree Power, and Seth Berry, uh, role and title unknown to me at this point. Sorry about that. Um, and again, we're we're down to about 15 minutes. Um, so, uh, my one thing that we haven't done specifically, uh, we've talked in generalities about consumer-owned utilities having lower rates. Can either of you chime in with uh, some examples from Kennebec Light and Power or Eastern Maine Co-op on what their current prices are compared to what we, the rest of us, are paying to the foreign-owned utilities? Just just to get that on the table, so we got real numbers. Either one of you? Yes, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy to to do that, Steve. Um, it is uh, a, a really really remarkable contrast, and um, the 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 average uh, at, at present for our mainland consumer-owned utilities is less than half of what the investor-owned utilities are charging. Now, I, I will be clear, some of that is supply, which is not uh, controlled by the IOUs or the CMP inversant, uh, but delivery alone is, is also much more expensive. So let me give you the all-in rates. Um, at present, CMP is charging, and this is straight from the PUC website. You can go to main.gov forward slash MPUC to find this information. As of Jan uh, July 1st, 2023, CMP was charging 28 cents a kilowatt hour. Versant in uh, the Bangor area, 30.2 cents. And Versant in the Aroostook main public dis uh, district, 27 cents. So again, 28, 30, and 27 in round numbers. Um, and the vast majority of the population is paying those for first two, 28 and 30. Now, if you happen to be a customer of Eastern Maine Electric Cooperative, which is twice the size of Rhode Island, extraordinarily rural, by far the most rural of the mainland utilities, um, you are paying under 15 cents a kilowatt hour. That's 14.9 cents to be specific. If you live in the Holton area, seven towns in the Holton area are paying 11.4 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, we're now we're getting close to a third of what uh, Versant and CMP are charging. Van Buren up in the crown of Maine, 12.5 cents. Kennebunk Light and Power, uh, three towns in the Kennebunk area, parts of three towns, 12.5 cents. And Madison, also three towns in the Madison area, is charging just uh, 
13. Oops, I lost it here. Um, my cheat sheet. Uh, it is 13 point something. I can't see it. And a 13.5. Sorry about that. So again, uh, 28 or 30 uh, versus uh, between 11.4 and 14.9 cents per kilowatt hour. It is absolutely remarkable. Um, and, and again, uh, some of these utilities, Eastern Main Electric in particular, very, very rural, um, very expensive to serve that area, but they're doing it for about half the price. And let me, uh, Al, let me ask this question. Uh, is So Versant and CMP are both deregulated, which means they don't produce electricity, they only deliver it. Uh, we have an apples to apples issue here where they like to quote, uh, prices which typically don't include distribution. And so they can actually quote a price that's lower than we're really paying. Uh, would Pine Tree Power be deregulated and only uh, and, and not generating electricity? Is that, I presume that's still true. Is that right? Yeah, Pine Tree Power Company will be responsible for transmission and delivery, like what we have with CMP and Percent right now. But we also know that, you know, the, the current status is that the utilities, while they're not in charge of supply, they are able to lobby and stop us from having the type of renewable energy projects connected to the grid at the time, speed and th that's necessary. The Pine Tree Power Company will be able to really support the folks that are trying to get solar farms connected to the grid at a way that we don't have right now meaning that we can get to our goals of 100% renewable energy at a pace that would be impossible with the current investor control. The first six communities in the United States get to 100% renewable energy. We're all consumer utilities, and that's the path that we're going to follow when people vote yes on November 7th. So my understanding is that the PUC does not regulate the consumer-owned utilities pricing. Is that correct, Seth? Uh, in in general, it is. Although um, in the case of the Pine Tree Power Company, they will have uh, full regulatory authority over rates, and you know the thinking there is to kind of keep the training wheels on for a little bit. Um, you know the the perception of risk, I think, is which the utilities, uh, you know, CMP and Burson have tried to uh, push out there. Um, you know, is is um, a, you know a, a quite. Uh, exaggerated, but you know, we we felt that it was wise to keep the PC involved, and um, you know, they they do have a lot of capacity there, and and can serve as a nice check and balance. So they will still have uh, regulatory, full regulatory authority over yep. the Pine Tree Power Company. And so the decision on that would be set by the the board of directors of Pine Tree Power. Is that correct? The board will set general policy, um, oversee the formation of, you know, the, the five-year plan, and um, they will uh, have a small staff of their own. They'll have, you know, CEO, CFO, legal counsel, et cetera, and they will oversee, very importantly, the procurement of a um, non-governmental um, operations company to do the day-to-day -day work. Um, and that management team will be, you know, highly qualified uh, utility managers, engineers, and so on. So, so Al, I, I guess I'm not clear on who makes the decision uh, that the PUC is, is or is not uh, rate setting for Pine Tree Power. Is that something that is set up in the bylaws of Pine Tree Power and it can only last for a while and Pine Tree Power can change it or PUC can change that rule or not? 
I can take that one. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the Pine Tree Power Company, uh, like uh, our current investor-owned utilities, will go to the PUC with a request for a rate, uh, a rate change. And you know, we anticipate an immediate rate reduction because we will be saving about $9 billion over the first 30 years alone, um, just based on a much lower cost of capital, no need to export profits, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars year after year. So the, the Pantry Power Company will take, uh, you know, rate reduction requests or rate change requests to the Public Utilities Commission. There will be a rate case in which all members of the public are invited to uh, intervene uh, or, to, or to speak up. And then the Public Utilities Commission will give the final um, up or down to that rate request. And they can also change it and say, well, it's going to be it's going to be this amount. OK. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> because there's no. Oh, go ahead. So I, I want to spend the last six or seven minutes here talking about the the kind of competing referendum, if you will. But if I could get a really quick uh, response from one or both of you, uh, is it expected that all or most of the current staff of the of Verson and CMP would be hired by the uh, by the Pine Tree Power? Al, do you want me to do that one, or do you want to take it? Yeah, go ahead, Seth. Go ahead. So um, CMP and Verson are are fully disqualified. They're uh, those two companies are fully disqualified from bidding on the non-governmental operations contract, the private sector operations contract. The the way that they're barred is that they fail on every single metric that is in what's called the fitness test. If you read the referendum and you can read it at um, ourpowermain.org, um, the uh, citizen initiative clearly stipulates that. Uh, a company that um, is in the bottom decile in the in nation for reliability or for rates uh, or that is fundamentally extractive to our economy is is not able to, um, to to bid on the operations contract. So because of their past failures, they are excluded and we will um, be will certainly welcome um, you know one or two quali- highly qualified managers forming a, a team. Um, with others uh, who have not been so intimately involved with ZMP. Um, but the point is to have a private uh, company that is, is not beholden to you know, massive multinational monopolies um, that, are, that are bent on extraction, extraction rather than service. Right. My question was more about line workers and things like that because they live oh, all over yeah. the state. And, and if they are all fearful for their jobs, that's, uh, they're going to be a lobbying entity just with their neighbors. So I was talking about yeah, they're guaranteed. Thank you. Okay, that important distinction. No, the, I, and I was talking about managers. So apologies. Um, so the 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 workers, uh, the line workers, and the customer service specialists for CMP and Versant are guaranteed their jobs, and in fact, they're also given a retention bonus. We want to keep them on um, because they are the people who really know the grid and operate it day to day, and are are very important to making this work. Right. Okay, so uh, there is a competing referendum. So the, the Pine Tree Power referendum there, and somebody might uh, just tell them to uh, just mention what the language is in the Pine Tree Power referendum. But there's a competing one put on there by the utilities that limits the government's ability, and I don't know sure if government is even the right term to borrow more than a billion dollars or whatever it might be. And my question is, uh, maybe clarify what that language is, and then what if both of them pass what are what are the implications either one of you al you want to try that 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you much, Steve. The you know utilities were working very hard as we're talking about to scare mayors as much as possible about the true possibilities and transformation. We'll see when people vote yes on Pine Tree Power. And for us, this you know competing ballot question is not something we're opposed to. We testified in favor of this question in the legislature. We asked the legislature to pass it forthright. Because our whole organization and campaign is focused on increasing democratic control for mayors. Right now, our status quo is that we have foreign governments who are pouring millions of dollars into influencing our elections and foreign governments who are controlling our electric grid. The creation of the Pine Tree Power Company gives us the ability to give mayors control over something that is critical for their lives. And so we know that any you know, question about increasing democratic control for Maine is good and we're in full support. We are not afraid of all of the ways that they're trying to scare Maine people about what this will look like because we know that people are sick and tired of having investor and utilities profit off of, off of their rates and over their high electric bills. People are ready and are energized and excited to vote yes for Pine Tree Power on November 7th, and nothing else is going to get in the way of that. And so, you know, I really want to... So let me just follow up real quick. So uh, what is the language of the CMP versant referendum, and would it prevent Pine Tree Power from borrowing enough money to get the job, to start the job? No, absolutely not. I, you know, I will have to look at the Secretary of State's website to get the full exact language. But, you know, the the referendum that they're proposing is is about uh, having Mainers have control over, you know, over what could be purchasing the utilities. I think we've still got a lot of questions about the constitutionality of that question because it has not gone through the same type of uh, legal checks like the Pine Tree Power question has with the legislature studying it for five years, as Seth Ferry talked about. And so, you know, for us, it would it doesn't even matter if voters would have to vote again to approve the creation of the Pine Tree Power Company because we are so confident and knowledgeable that that would happen over and over again. Okay. And and Seth, since you were just there at a hearing for the bill that limits foreign advertising, uh, my understanding is whether the, the legislature upholds the, the veto of the government uh, or not, uh, it's it would take effect later so that it would not affect the lobbying the advertising power of CMP and Versant. And so I wonder if that's correct. And just a quick comment, there's there's two minutes left. That is correct. Yeah, it's imperative that we close this loophole and prevent foreign governments, including uh, the owners of CMP and Versant, from being able to spend tens of millions of dollars on, to influence main elections, as they're doing now. Um, but it, that referendum um, will close the loophole going forward. It will not impact uh, the, the current um, Pine Tree Power Company referendum. So on this one, uh, main people, uh, we need you to join in. We need people power. Uh, we need your time, uh, your donations um, at pinetreepower.org to, to make this work and to stand up for the people of Maine and for our children and grandchildren's future. Okay. That, uh, that's kind of what I thought. All right. So, so Al, we have one minute for your 
closing comments here as uh, as in a presidential debate. Uh, one minute. What's what's the big oh, picture? My goodness. What's your message? Thank you all so much. Well, we have a real chance to get a power company that gives us lower rates, increases our reliability, and brings more control of our communities over our basic needs. I encourage everyone who's listening to go to pinetreepower.org to learn more information about what you'll be voting for in November and to join us. As I mentioned at the top of this call, this campaign is powered by volunteers all across the state, and we need folks to help us spread this message to combat the misinformation the utilities are giving and to really show care for the future that we can build by talking to our neighbors, talking to our community members, talking to our friends and family about why they need to get out to vote this November and to vote yes for Pine Tree Power. All right. And uh, as you said uh, towards the top of the show, this is a David David versus Goliath uh, question. And again, Seth, I have reached out to CMP and Versant for somebody to join Power for the People. Uh, and uh, maybe we even can combine, kind of have a bit of a debate uh, online. So uh, you've been listening to Power for the People here on WERU-FM with guest Al Cleveland, campaign manager for Pine Tree Power. And uh, in the last half hour or so, Seth Berry, uh, probably the one who started all this process. Uh, so Power for the People airs the fourth Wednesday of the month in the public affairs time slot at 4 p.m. The archive will be available uh, probably by Friday, just so that you know. And join us next time for uh, to learn more about energy topics, policies, technology, and solutions for your life. My name is Steve Kyle. We will see you next time. <laughs>